Hello, this is Ben Ashmaid and welcome to the King's Place podcast. On Wednesday the 16th of April, Nashville-based singer-songwriter Susie Boggus comes to Hall One at the venue. This marks the launch of her latest album, Lucky, a tribute to one of her songwriting heroes, Merle Haggard. She joined me via Skype to tell the story behind this record. Are you looking forward to coming and performing in London? Oh, I totally am. I always am. I, you know, I, I try to get there every year if possible, one way or another. You know, I come over there with the, uh, my girlfriends and do a show called Wine, Women, and Song. And then this time I'm coming over with my trio, which is going to be a lot of fun too. Are, are, you, are you on the road a lot of the year? I am. My son started university that past fall. So uh, I'm really, I'm definitely on the road a lot more now. Today I started loving you again. I'm right back where I've really always been. Is music always about that that live experience? I think it is. You know, that's the one thing that I think we all all of us in the music business have going for us is that, you know, no matter you know whether something gets downloaded or you know you buy it on vinyl or whatever, you just can't replace a, a live show and the interaction between the audience and the performers. And you know, I just I, that's the one thing I feel like they can never take away from us. <laughs> Yeah, but I'm sure you're still behind the merch desk at the end of the day, just trying to make sure that people can buy those CDs. Yeah, that's right. I would definitely, you know, that's actually really one of my favorite parts of the show is the talking to folks afterwards. It's unbelievable how many wonderful musicians I've been turned on to by different people in the audience, you know, just by being accessible so that we can discuss music, which is a love that we have in common. So I, I hate missing out on that part. I, I very rarely have to, you know, not sign after a show. And, I, you know, I really, I, I really do look forward to that part of the show. Silver waves Shining in the sunlight Roaring engines Headed somewhere in well, that leads on quite nicely to sort of talk about you know, one of the main things about this concert is it's all about your new album. And this new album was a way of you showing off one of your biggest influences. Yes. Uh, you know, I've been finding that uh, it, since I hit 50, I keep finding all these ways to come full circle. And uh, I don't know if that's just a typical thing that people do in their lives as they start looking at, you know, what have I done and why have I done it and what do I have to do yet? But the the Merle thing kind of came as a surprise to me. It was, uh, there's a song that I recorded in 1989 that was the title of my first album, Somewhere Between, and it's a Merle song. And people kept asking me from the audience, would you please put that on record because the the capital issuing of it has long since, they don't, they don't put it out anymore. And so no, nobody can get it. Um, so I was trying to figure out a new way I could record it and kind of settled that really the only way I could do it would maybe be to do it live. So the band and I started messing with that and then we just got into messing around with some of his other songs just for fun on stage, just sort of spontaneously. And then I, I got talking to my husband and we came up with this idea of um, 
doing a whole album of Merle's songs and, you know, just sitting around the table and just sort of picking out different ones of his. And there's a, a lot of his uh, material that's very, very masculine. But I tried to pick songs that I felt like were more universal, you know, as far as the, the emotional uh, message in them. Each night I leave the barroom when it's over I didn't know a lot about him, but I was, I was doing a little bit of research, and, and, and Merle Haggard was, you know, he was a true sort of country superstar by the looks of it. Well, he still is. <laughs> he is a huge uh, superstar, and he's still, you know, at 76 years old, he's still, you know, crisscrosses across the United States constantly, and you'd be amazed at how beautiful his voice still is and what a rockin' show he puts on. Uh, you know, he's, he's, a real, he's a real rock star. <laughs> Have you got to meet, meet him at some point? Yes, I met him years ago when I had the first album out and got to sing with him a couple of times. And then I did a few shows with him back uh, early 90s. It's, you know, it's been a, you know, a long time since I've really hung out with him. But uh, when I did the record, we talked and he called me and told me how much he loved it, which was just, you know, the ultimate compliment. The first time that I met Merle was like one of those really embarrassing moments because I had been a fan since I was a child. And I was on a television show with him, and the host of the show was standing and waiting to greet me after I finished my song. But Merle was sitting on the couch. I walked right by the host and completely snubbed him like a dummy and just walked right over to Merle and just like grabbed a hold of his hands and just was so in awe of him that, you know, it was like I couldn't believe he was real. <laughs> what do you think attracts you to his songs? What uh, you know? What what is it about his songwriting that is you know unique? You know, first of all, I think he really does hit the nail on the head with a, very few words with his songs. He's you know he really gets down into the uh, the message, the emotional message, without having to work up to it he just doesn't mince words he's right there and he's telling you exactly how he feels but it's still very poetic but then as a singer for me the melodies are just unstoppable I just love them and they're all different you know I compare him in my mind to someone like Stephen Foster where you know each song has got you know maybe a different style undertone you know it's like he's been influenced by so many different styles of music himself that when he's coming up with these melodies there they take you any place from someplace that's sort of jazzy to bluesy to stone country to folk i mean it's, it's all over the place and uh and i tried to pick a little bit of all of those styles to put on the record play at King's Place, I presume you'll be drawing from songs throughout your, your entire career. Oh yeah, we're very eclectic. <laughs> uh, yeah, there'll be a little bit of everything. You know, uh, you know, I've had songs that have been popular in the States that the folks in the UK are not as, as tuned into, but then there are lots of cuts over there that I didn't realize were being played, and I get over there and they want to hear songs that I haven't you know, worked up in years. I mean, I've I've got a lot of albums out now after all these years, and 
it's funny because I, uh, I've had these circumstances happen where someone so desperately wanted to hear a song that, that I just could not remember the words to. And it was one I'd written myself <laughs> that they actually stood up and sang it in from the middle of the audience. So I'm trying to get myself, uh, you know, boned up on some of these old songs so I can at least pull off a verse and a chorus if they, uh, if they're asking for it. I suppose that's that. It's a sort of strange idea of covering yourself, or, or at least going back and and exploring the music that that, that you've written. Yeah, and, and you know, here in the states, it, it seems like it's so important that people hear like signature licks from the from the production of the the piece, because I guess it you know it kind of triggers something in you that makes you think of a place that you were when you heard the song or that kind of thing, and. I think that's important too because I definitely feel that connection when I hear other songs and I, you know, hear, you know, every breath you take and I hear, do, 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 you know, I hear that, you know, like it gives me chills, you know. But I find that the folks over in the UK, for some reason, they they don't care as long as the as the lyric is there and they're so tuned in to what the song is saying that you can, you know take your song and turn it into a reggae piece or whatever you want to where it was a ballad and and they're kind of like oh cool i know that song you know and they know every word and they're mouthing along with you and it's, it's very great you've um in your career you've moved away from country a little bit and experimented with other music but i mean what what brought you back or what what do you love lo- love about it the most um probably still the stories you know um, I just I did a folk album before this one, and that was really that was kind of like going back to my fifth grade songbook for me, and just sort of that warm fuzzy feeling of singing songs where I, that went was it wasn't complicated, I wasn't um, you know pushing at anything. There was no I was putting them in keys that were they were really comfortable. Modern country music. It turns me off because I feel like I have to shout to try to get on our radio stations here with the trend that's happening in country music here. But when I go back to more storytelling songs and things where the the melody is not all about, you know, let me compete with some power guitars, (laughs) then I feel really comfortable and I'm happy. I, you know, I can perform every night. I don't blow my voice out and... I feel like I connect better with the audience that way. That's just, you know, more of who I am, I guess. L- listening through to a few some of the tracks on the album, I mean, you, you're talking about the lyrics, but I think the, with the music, you, you you have five seconds and you you hear a slide guitar and your your mood automatically changes gear. You know, it, it's it's about the music as as well as the lyrics. It's a very musical record. I that's really true, and I mean, I have some of the most amazing musicians that I get to play with, and. Um, that's one of the things I love the most about it. Uh, just tell me a little bit more about the two musicians that you're bringing over. Uh, well, Charlie Chadwick is my bass player, and he is—he's uh, phenomenal. And I, I really—he's kind of an odd cat to be such an amazing musician because he's like a mathematician. He's—you know—he's like really, really logical. He's really intelligent, and he's constantly—you know—reading about these quantum physics things and. All sorts of crazy stuff. But then when it comes down to playing the bass, he is one of the most musical. Just when you see him on the stage, it is you can't take your eyes off of him. I mean, the ladies especially tell me afterwards that they just, you know, they cannot get over how he he's just up there just 
making love to this instrument. And it's, you know, he would kill me if I said that probably, but it's true. I mean, it really is just amazing how he just is having the best time of his life playing that instrument. And then um, I'm bringing Verlin Thompson with me, who I haven't had a chance to play with in many years, but we've written lots of songs together. He is a fabulous acoustic player, a great singer um, and harmonica player, but he also is from Oklahoma. And so he has the most entertaining accent I've ever heard in any country performer ever. It is so strong, you just can't, you can't even believe it's real, but it really is. <laughs> and he talks really slow too, so, you know, if you're gonna let him tell a story on the stage, you have to like build in the time for it. Is there a favorite song that you're particularly enjoying performing at the moment, whether from the new album or, or, or revisiting an old song? Well, I'm working really hard on a guitar part that um, Pat Bergeson, who played on the record, played the acoustic on the record, uh, worked out, uh, which is one of Merle's songs called If We Make It Through December. I'm having a blast with it because it's, it's really challenging me as a musician. He you know, played the Peter, Paul, and Mary chords, you know, that I'm used to. So I'm really, <laughs> I'm really having to work on that one. And I love the song because it really makes me think of how I grew up. It's a song about um, it's a, a two two working family. You know, like both parents work in the family, and the um, you know the wife in this case, because I'm singing the song, is saying Christmas is going to be really rough this year. I got laid off at the factory, and you know how do you explain that to your child that it's going to be a really lean Christmas this year, and. For me, I, I grew up in a family where my dad was a shop worker at International Harvester, which is a tractor-making company, and he threaded screws for 37 years and rode in a carpool and listened to Merle Haggard records on his way. And, you know, I just relate to those times when, when uh, you know, the shop workers should be either laid off or they would be striking. And it, it, we had four kids in our family, and it was a, you know, we had to really think about it when when times were lean like that and and so i really relate to that feeling if we make it through december we'll be An evening with Susie Boggus is on Wednesday the 16th of April in Hall 1. I'm Ben Schmeid and you've been listening to a King's Place podcast. For more details about this event, please visit kingsplace.co.uk forward slash lucky. Thanks for listening. <laughs>